0: I'd like to start today with a passage from 1 Timothy chapter six. This is the Apostle Paul writing to his friend and student Timothy toward the end of his life, end of Paul's life, somewhere around 65 AD. And he's writing Timothy as an encouragement for him to keep his eyes on the prize of faith and salvation, a reminder that couldn't be more relevant to us today as we're making our way through this extended study. Of Philippians. Philippians, who Paul co-wrote with Timothy, who he's writing to here in this letter. So this is 1 Timothy chapter 6, starting in verse 11. It says this. It says, pursue righteousness and a godly life along with faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight for the true faith. Hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you which you have declared so well before many witnesses. And I charge you before God who gives life to all and before Christ that you obey this command without wavering, that no one can find fault with you from now until our Lord Jesus Christ returns. One more time, fight the good fight for the true faith. Hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you. Let's pray as we begin. Jesus, we are grateful for today. We are so grateful that you love us and that you're leading us and that we can gather here in this beautiful space to remember you and to worship you and to learn from you as, you as you lead us and change us and grow us even more into your image. So Jesus, today, we are here on purpose. We ask that you'd meet us, that you'd lead us, and that we change. God, by the end of this service that we would leave here changed. So, Jesus, it's in your name that we pray, the name above all names, and we all said, amen. Amen. Thank you, team. Thank you for leading us today. Thank you, Grace, and Joel, and John, and Tommy, and Wes, and Becca. So grateful for you. You can go grab a seat. Hey, welcome home, everybody. Wow. What a day to gather in God's house. If you don't know me, my name is David, and I am the lead pastor here at Community Life. Thrilled to be able to share from the scriptures today as we continue on in this series of Philippians. But before we begin the message, two quick things. If this is your church, now is your chance to give. So grateful for you who have given faithfully and with really extreme generosity over this past year, 2020 into 2021. Still, we know the best is yet to come, and so we ask that you would just continue to stay faithful in your giving um, we also know that there are tons of people that watch this service every week that don't live here and have never darkened the door of this building. And so we ask, if that's you, I just want to challenge you. Dig in, invest, call this place home. And, uh, and we'd love to see you uh, step into that life of generosity together as, uh, as the church. And so if you have questions about how to give, there should be a link. There should have been a link right about here, madeforcommunity.com forward slash give. Otherwise, you feel free to stop by the church anytime. I'd love to see you. Um, drop it in the mail, whatever it is. But um, hey, as we as we take a minute to give second announcement before we dig into the message is that this coming Wednesday, February twenty fourth, from seven to eight p.m., Rebecca and I are going to be hosting a community catch up here at the church. And you might be thinking, what's a community catch up? Does anyone know what a community catch up is? No, for all the people in the house right now, exactly. Well, it's exactly as it sounds. It's an opportunity for the community to catch up. And, uh, and I know I've mentioned this a lot over the past year, but we moved here. And then a couple months later, the whole world shut down. And so I hardly know you and you hardly know me. You hardly know Rebecca and my family. And so one of the things we wanted to do is just catch up and get to know you just a bit better. And so if you have any questions, thoughts, whatever, we'd love to hear them. It's an opportunity to get together to pray and, uh, and just get to know each other better. So come on out. February 24, 7 to 8, in the sanctuary, community catch-up. It is going to be so great. Is it going to be so great? It's going to be so great. I feel like there's some flickering lights in the house. Now everyone knows, watching at home, that there are... Does anyone else notice the flickering lights? Am I the only one? Should we just get into the message? All right, we're going to do it. All right, well, if you're taking notes today, our passage for... Uh, from Philippians today is from chapter 1, verses 20 through 25. So if you have your Bibles, open up, follow me quickly. I don't know how many of you have stepped into uh, the discipline of Bible memorization, but I am absolutely terrible at it. Um, But this passage for today is one of those scriptures that has been etched into my heart and my mind and my soul over the past couple years. And so I pray it speaks to you as it's spoken to me. Philippians 1 verse 20 through 25. Also, if you're taking notes, I'd like to call this message Life Versus Living. Life Versus Living. So here we go. Picking up on where we left off last week with God's promise that his word would never return void, his word will do the work, that God who is good and loves us and always in control, his plan will come to pass, that God Did the work, guaranteed, but now it's up to us to play our part. Now it's up to us to live faithful with God's faithfulness. And not as a bribe to get into heaven, but rather because we already belong there. We already belong to eternity, so our obedience to Christ with what we do in sharing the good news is simply living out the better reflection that we were born again to have. God's word will do the work, and now it's up to us. So here's verse 20 of chapter 1. It says, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but have sufficient courage so that now as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or death, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Another translation says it like this. Alive, I'm Christ's messenger. Dead, I'm his prize. Life versus even more life, I can't lose. Life versus living, I I can't lose. With Jesus, I win. Either way. Verse 22, if I am to go on living in this body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain, and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you, again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. One more time, verse 20. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed but have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life Or by death, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. It's life versus living, and I can't lose. And this passage is one of, I'm sure, one that you've heard many times, at least part of it, right? For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I'm pretty sure there's someone in this room with a tattoo on their back, okay? Pastor Wes. Pastor Wes, that kind of sounds nice, doesn't it? This passage is and always has been an essential piece to the theological orthodox understanding of the church across all space and time, across all generations, into whatever present you call home. It's a unique perspective of courage and confidence to those who have been raised with Christ from death to life. And it's for them because it's them, it's us, it's you and me who have already died. We've already died and been born again, which is exactly what Paul is getting at here. He says for him, as a man writing in prison, writing from prison with a trial awaiting him, with an impending execution on the way, for him, Paul says, no matter what comes, because of his identity in heaven, his perspective is, I can't lose. I can't lose. For him, no matter what happens, if you're a Christian, he says, if you are with Jesus, everything ultimately leads ultimately leads to victory. To live today means living for Christ another day. It's a win, right? To die today means living with Christ forever in heaven, even better, even better. If you're a Christian, regardless of what comes, you can't lose. It's win, win, win for eternity. Verse 22, yet what shall I choose? I do not know I am torn between the two. It's life versus living. Reminds me of, um, in, a, in a roundabout way, and I need you to show me some extreme grace with this illustration today because it's, it might be a bit of a stretch, but I'm, work, I'm still working on it. It reminds me of a time when my brother and I, in like 1989, we bought our first Nintendo. We pinched all of our pennies, all of our pennies, and we bought the original Nintendo Entertainment System, and it was the best. It came with Mario Brothers and Duck Hunt, and we started to invest in all these other games. But, but listen, I was terrible at video games. Is anyone good at video games? I imagine some of you. Yes, John, I like this. I was terrible at games. I still am. Granted, it was a different time of entertainment and technology, but I was just awful. So for years, I would sit and I would watch other people play the games who had far superior eye-hand coordination. I would defer as often as I could, because when it was finally my turn to pick up the remote, I would get all, I would get all like, I would get all locked up. I'd get all locked up, like with Mario Brothers. You know, I would sit down, I have the controller, I press start, and I just start inching my way across. And I see the time ticking down on the little counter, and then it gets to, like the fast music for like the last 25 seconds or something, and so I would, I would just inch along, irrationally terrified of jumping into one of the, like the turtles, or the spiked turtles, or down the pit, or getting eaten by that little flame-throwing flower thing, anyway, that was a mess, I was terrible, and I was eight, eight years old, so I, I can give myself a little break here, but I had no confidence to just play the game. That is until one of my friends, a kid named Ryan, he brought over this thing called Game Genie. Have you heard of Game Genie? Game Genie was an amazing gift to the world. It was just an acceptable way to cheat the system. Where, where what you do is you put, it between, you put it between the game and the system. And and it had all these codes that you could punch in, codes that gave you, like, unlimited lives or, like, exclusive weapons or star power, unlimited star power where you could just keep running and no enemy would ever stop you. You could run right through the bad guys. And it was amazing because for the first time, I felt like I could just go play. I was confident now because I didn't have to worry about dying or falling in a pit or hitting the spiky turtle or getting that flame thrown at me from the flower, whatever. I had the power now and the perspective to win. No matter what fought against me, I couldn't lose if I tried. And again, I know that this is an interesting illustration, but I think it's exactly what Paul is getting at here in Philippians chapter 1 in this passage. Because he's saying, if you're a Christian, you're not playing the game of life or death No, it's life versus living, and you can't lose. Because you have been given the power to win and the promise of victory no matter what comes. And it's not because of anything you've done, it's not because of anything you've earned or anything you're capable of doing in the future. No, you can win because Jesus stands between you and the game. You can win because Jesus stands between you and the game, and He's already won. He invented the game, He invented the system. Jesus defeated the power of sin and death. He cheated the world and its systems out of all of its authority. He did the work and brought us along for the ride so that now you, so now that you can, can approach any season and any situation with confidence. No more tiptoeing around. No more worrying about what might come. No more wondering if you're good enough or smart enough or qualified enough, if your past was too broken, or your mistakes too great. No, Jesus answered all those questions and more on the cross. He sacrificed himself for your eternity so you might, so you might in no way be ashamed, but have sufficient courage, verse 20, so that now as always Christ may be exalted in your body, whether by life or by death. Listen, God wants you to live your life with courage. And he did the work. God did everything necessary to ensure that you have everything you need, everything you need. You have the power of God coursing through your veins. You have the power of God within. The same God who formed mountains and poured oceans now lives in your heart. And if this God is with you and for you and fighting alongside you, then who can stand against you? You can. You can't lose. You can't lose, because for God's people, even a loss today holds a promise for tomorrow. Even a loss today holds a promise for tomorrow. To live is to walk these days with the power of God's spirit on Christ's behalf. to die. To die is to live for eternity with Christ because of the power of the Holy Spirit. No matter what happens, it always eventually leads to victory. And this is what we see in Philippians chapter one. And and this here is some good news, amen? This is some good news. This is some gospel perspective. It's unique. And it's true for all who believe. It's life versus Living, you can't lose. If you're with Jesus, you can't lose. You win either way. Still, I, I, don't, know, I don't know if you've ever been here, but maybe, maybe it's just me, but I, I think that there are times where even though I know this key piece of theological, orthodox understanding that heaven is real and forever, and, and if you're with Jesus, you've been born again into this new hope that, that can never fade, and there's nothing that, God, that you can do to separate from Even though I know this, I still so often live the opposite, and I think, that, I think that that's common for all of us. And I think it usually plays out in one of two ways. For some, I think we believe, like today, is an admissions exam for eternity. And so even though we believe and we know, you know God loves us and he saved us, like, there, we, still work, we still work so hard to make sure that just in case his grace isn't sufficient, that we'll still to be okay. I think that's one side. Now for the other We live today like it's Mardi Gras. It's Fat Tuesday leading up to to Lent in heaven where you know that God loves you and you're going to spend eternity with him, so you better live it up now because you're not going to be able to do it later. But listen, both of these tendencies, both of these patterns, they are completely foreign and completely remove us from the relational heart of God, the the relational heart of Christ. God wants us to live at peace, God wants us to live at peace, but not this insecure, like, ceasefire, lack of conflict kind of peace. No, he wants to be your confidence. He wants to be your peace because he loves you. God wants to be our source and our strength and our vision and perspective for how how we might see the world and situations we face. So no matter what comes, you can see a victory on the other side. So that no matter what comes... You can see a victory on the other side of any situation. This is God's heart toward us. What incredible news. God wants us to know. God wants you to know. Regardless of how long you've been hanging out at the church, regardless how long you've been a Christian, God wants you to know today that with him you can't lose. You can't lose. So how do we get there? How can we begin to live this life of faith like we're playing Nintendo with all the cheat codes, knowing that even if we die or face opposition or limitation or marginalization or whatever it might be, in the end, it doesn't even matter because we're still going to live forever? How can we begin to step into this perspective where we can honestly say life or living can't lose? To live as Christ and die as Cain. Well, that's where this opening passage from from Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 6 comes in. Let me just read it one more time. Again, this is Paul writing to his friend, the co-author of Philippians, and he says this. He says, pursue righteousness and a godly life. Along with faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness, fight the good fight for the true faith. Hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you which you have declared so well before many witnesses. And this is the end. And I charge you before God who gives life to all and before Jesus Christ that you obey his command without wavering. Then no one can find fault with you from now until our Lord Jesus Christ comes. Again, okay, so I'm just going to keep this real short to the point. If you want to step into a better perspective we see outlined in Philippians chapter 1, whether you're in the room today or you're watching online, I need you to understand two quick things from Philippians and into 1 Timothy. If you want the better perspective, number one, you have to keep the vision within you. And number two, you've got to keep the fight before you. One more time. You need to keep the vision of eternity within you. And you need to keep the fight for faithfulness before you. Starting with vision, if you want to see the circumstances that come, the way that Paul models from a jail cell writing Philippians, then you must first hold tightly to the eternal life which God has called you. You need to stay focused. Don't let go. And I know it's hard. But you need to stay focused and don't let it go. Keep your eyes fixed on the promise of eternity. And then we need to allow that inevitable, eventual victory that has won on the cross we need to allow that to affect us and take root in our hearts and in our mind. When all the distractions come, because they're going to come, when they come to claim you and the interruptions force you into seasons and situations you'd rather not face, Paul says you need to keep the vision within you. Keep the vision within you. Now, okay, what does that look like? First, it, I would say it starts by removing any elective stress now life is hard and life has been hard over the past year and it's hard enough we don't need to start bringing in extra hard extra stressful things into our life and so when i say remove elect uh, elective stress what i mean is if if something that you do is causing stress in your life just get rid of it if anything starts to distract you from the promise of god just you just got to get rid of it if social media stresses you out and distracts you from the promise, get rid of it. And I'm not talking about being legalistic here. I'm just talking about being smart. Don't be dumb with your life. If something is holding you back, you got to cut it out. It's not worth it. Let it go so you can hold tight to the eternity that God has placed in your heart. If it's a relationship, you know what I'm talking about, or a hobby, or a routine, or even a religious practice. Even a religious practice. If anything causes your concentration to drift from God's promise of victory, you got to press pause. Get out that remote, press pause, cut it out, flee. Do whatever you have to do to bring focus back to your heart. Do whatever you have to do so you can remember and believe that this life is Christ. That this life is all about Christ and death is just more life. So first, keep the vision of eternity within you. Hold on to it like your life depends on it because it does. That's first. Keep the vision within. Second, as you begin to see and step into this perspective um, up here, it's time to fight. It's time to fight the good fight for faithfulness and keep that before you. No more sitting around in theoretical, abstract faith. Now you got to get... To work. Our salvation isn't just fire insurance. Now we need to be obedient to live out our identity as God's people. And this is what it says in Timothy, right? To pursue righteousness in the godly life, along with faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness, to fight the good fight for the true faith. But David, Oh, I I thought our salvation was just about grace. David, I thought that you said God loved me, and so there's nothing that God, I could do to separate. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what I'm talking about. I'm not saying you have to do anything. I'm saying you get to do something. You don't have to do anything. Jesus did the work, but you get to do something. You get to live your greatest possible life without fear because your end is written. Because of what God did for you. You get to make much of your days because no matter what comes, you can't lose. You get to do something. You get to do something. So don't waste it. Don't waste it. Get to work. Keep the fight for your faith before you every step of the way. Stop making excuses. Stop cutting corners, stop creating those compartments, you know, those compartments in our lives to store all the distractions we might invite. And you need to fight for your faith. You need to fight the good fight for your faith. First Timothy breaks it down by saying, you need to pursue righteousness. Righteousness means simply you need to pursue what God requires for your life or what God wants most for you above all else. And then Timothy says, Paul says to Timothy, hold tight to your eternal life. What does that mean? It means that you need to commit time in your life to focusing on the eternity that God planted in your heart. What does that look like? It means spending time with God in the scriptures. If you want to be obedient, you need to know what God expects. It means getting alone with God and actually praying. It means listening to the sermon and not just fast-forwarding to the music. It's so good, I get it. It means starting to give sacrificially to those in need around you to your church, I don't know, maybe for you it's it's, uh, turning off country radio and listening to more worship music. Maybe it's getting out in the woods. Maybe it's starting to paint again. Anything you can do to help grow your faith and focus your mind on the promise of God. Step one is removing the garbage. Step two is stepping into the fight. Step one is cleaning your mind, cleaning your heart. And step two is getting forward, getting busy, making it happen. So keep the vision of eternity within you and the good fight of faith before you. This is the way of Jesus that he is leading us. This is the way of Jesus as he leads us to confidence from here to heaven. To live is Christ and to die is just to live. It's life versus living for us. It's life versus living for us and we can't, we can't lose So let us commit, as we wrap this up today, let let us commit to being a church that keeps the promise of eternity at the very core of who we are. Let us be a church that holds fast to the truth of our salvation, the truth of God, and allow that reality to be the first filter for all we do let us be a church that fights for our faith, moving beyond just this abstract notion or understanding of what's possible to really believing and embodying an eternal obedience to Jesus Christ. This is what we saw in the Apostle Paul and Timothy. This is what we saw in the early church and what God was expecting his church in Philippians to be. And so it must also be true of us. And honestly, can you imagine for just a moment, whether you're in the house or whether you're in your house. Just imagine if, what might happen if we were able to approach life and death and COVID and lockdowns and finances and relationships and whatever else comes at us. Imagine if we were able to approach these things with confidence, knowing that, that even in a loss, there's a promise think what might happen in our seasons in our situations as we fight not to be right but to reveal what God cares about most what would happen in your own heart if your first thought was faith what would happen in your families if your first reaction was love but what happened happen in your friendships or your jobs or your neighborhoods if your first decision for action was the obedience to Jesus and his way. Because this is, this is the call. This is what God is inviting us into. He did the work. He made the promise and he will lead us to victory in life and death. But now it's up to us to be faithful with his faithfulness. So let us fight. Let us fight the good fight. Let us fight the good fight. We can't lose. We can't lose. It's win-win. Win. Win Win whatever happens. So let us hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called us. This is Philippians chapter 1. and 1 Timothy chapter 6. Let's pray as we... uh, as we conclude, Jesus, we love you and we thank you. We ask, even in seasons of, of hardship, even in seasons of unknown and distraction, and seasons of interruption, God, we ask that you would just help us keep our eyes fixed on eternity. As Pastor Jeff said, that we would live like the end is here. God, that we wouldn't be worried or afraid, that we wouldn't be anxious. But instead, God, we would submit everything to you, recognizing that the battle is already won. And that, and that we can't lose because, God, you already, you already won. So, Jesus, help us keep this perspective at the forefront of our mind, especially in this season. God, that we might live as a peaceful force in our world because we have the eternal peace from you. Jesus, we're so grateful that you love us. We're so grateful that, that you invite us into this better way, God, that it's not, it's not just saving us for later, but you're redeeming us and sanctifying us here and now as we walk every step of the way. So God, give us the courage to fight the good fight. God, give us the passion to keep your vision within. Because God, life... We're living we can't lose so let us make much of our days in your name so it's in your name that we pray jesus the name above all and we all said